It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 707 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves and Georgia Gardner here to help you be more successful in your landscape. And my voice is deteriorating enough this morning that I think it'd be better off if we just swapped jobs here and let Ashley go in with the questions and answers. I'll answer questions. Ashley brings them up, and we will have a show that sounds a little bit better than Walter trying to do everything. So, Ashley... Take it away. Hey there. Hey. All right. So we've got some good calls lined up. Second hour of the Lawn and Garden Show. We've got Jim in Fayetteville. Just wants to say a quick thank you to Walter for some good advice he received. And oh, Michael in Atlanta has been holding about his Leland Cypress browning from top to bottom. And that's obviously a big concern. And one of my biggest concerns when I see Leland's, they're established. So many people use them as privacy fences. But man, once one starts browning and then it seems like it goes to the next one and it just becomes kind of this domino effect that is so daunting for so many homeowners, Walter, because it's taken years to get to that point. It's taken years for them to get, you know, up to the second story of your home. But a guy in my neighborhood this weekend, we'll we'll talk to Michael in just a minute, but I think he's just he's got them planted on the outside of his fence. Yeah. I mean, there's at least 10 in a row. And I think he just got fed up with the lower limbs browning, so he limbed him up. I mean, he was out there for probably three weekends in a row just shearing all the lower limbs yeah. off, and he brought brought the lowest limb up to the height of the top of the fence. And I hadn't seen it done, and it actually looks a little better than I would have thought, but is that good advice? Yeah, you could prune a little on cypress to any shape or form you like. You could make topiary out of it. You can do top dope. Take the top down to eight feet high. You can limb it up like your neighbor did. You can do just about anything. And as long as you make good, clean cuts, I don't see any reason not to do it that way. All right. I, I just thought maybe that was unorthodox. I hadn't seen it as commonly yeah. as, as you would think. But, yeah, Michael from Atlanta, good morning. What's what's the deal with your Leland's? Hey, good morning, guys. Great driving music today, by the way. Uh, of course. <laughs> Jason's doing awesome back there. Um, I put... In the front, as a barrier to traffic, kind of a busy street, I put five of them in about two years ago, two feet tall, and they grew perfect. They're about five feet tall. I mean, they look like Christmas trees on a postcard. And this year, about a third of the way into the drought, the one in the middle just started to brown from the top. And I did some watering, and I kind of tested it with a little gauge, and it was sort of dry. I did sort of a very slow soak uh, looked it up and um, did them all actually, and it just kept browning. And then it stopped, and I have twenty percent, maybe fifteen percent at the bottom, almost like a wedge, like the slice of a pie or a pizza. Oh. It's perfectly green and growing and growing, and the rest of it is just brown, brown, and they're only, you know, four or five feet tall. I don't know if it's worth saving. Do you dig it up? Mm. But why? Oh, and I heard you last week, so I scraped um, with the back of the knife. Yeah, great. Nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I didn't, think, I didn't think there was an uh, insect problem because it would have continued and killed the rest of the tree. Oh, yeah. But it was kind of after I did that really slow, I'm talking 45-minute drizzle, slow soak, mm-hmm. that maybe I stopped 
the drought effect and all I have left is this <laughs> little green spot. Yeah. Uh, is, is it worth working it back or just get rid of it? Will it ever come back? What do you think? So, well, bottom line, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth okay. it. I will tell you that I see one, two, three, four patterns of death of Leland Cypress. Actually, says you mentioned drives around and sees Leland's dying from the top down drought problems. Young trees usually that got dried out for some reason during the summertime after being planted, and top down means drought. Okay. It's individual limbs. It's usually a canker, ceridium canker. Probably that's when we scrape it. See if we see any little cankering. But that's brought on by drought stress can as be well. Too. Yeah, canker. you're right. It's a point, good point. The drought brings on the canker uh, on the bark. If it comes from the bottom up. That's a different kind of um, different kind of disease completely. It's called uh, Cercospora leaf spot. It goes from the bottom upwards, and then there's one that goes from the outside inward, and that is Botrysferia canker. So you've got four different patterns, but yours fits to me. The most likely thing is drought. This is drought. Yeah, yeah. you watered and, it and stopped it, but uh, it's, I think all these areas has been done so far. Yeah, and one it. one quick question on the drought. My ones in the back are are a border, and they're about twelve feet high. Yeah, six big ones. The two in the shade are perfect. The four, where the sun comes around the house, one half of them. The edges of all the things are brown where the sun hit it during the drought, and I did yeah. the soaking on them. Uh, over the winter, the the one side of the tree looks perfect. Uh, keep soaking it, or what do you do over the winter? Because I know the rain's not going to be near enough to make up for 10 weeks. I had 10 weeks of no rain in my house. Wow, yeah, like a lot of us. You know, you don't keep soaking it so much as you keep an eye on the soil moisture. You're sound like you already know what you're doing for soil moisture. So just make sure the soil never dries out, and it doesn't easily do that in the wintertime. So once in a while, I guess, is what you need, a good soak, but once in a while, not every every week. Oh, sorry, that was oh, that was my fault. I don't know what I did to Michael. But oh. so, yeah, soaking soaking during the yeah. winter for sure is key yeah. as well. So what what's your gauge, though, Walter, with, with just giving it up and, <sighs> and tossing them out? I mean, four to five feet, like like you said, probably isn't. You know, worth trying to rejuvenate them if yeah. they're that young. If I had, if there was a third of it brown and the rest of it was green, that'd be fine to keep. You could just cut out the top and let the green part take over. If it's more than half, I think it's just not worth it. They just don't come back very well. They don't look very. They just don't look right after they do half of a turn brown. Yeah, and you can prune out dead limbs from time to time, yeah, but when sure. you're talking about a third or half sure. the plant, yeah, it's going to sure. look funny. Thank you so much for the call, Michael. Thanks for hanging on. To up next is Joe and Marietta. Good morning, Joe. Uh, good morning, everybody. Hey. I have a um, uh, completely rehabbed my fescue in the backyard. It's about a month old now. It's about two inches to four inches, depending on the area. And uh, along with the good stand of grass has come a good stand of uh, broadleaf weeds. Yeah. And I'm wondering if I can right now use a post-emergent to kill those weeds without harming the new grass. Now, how's how's your new grass coming in? Is it looking pretty good? I mean, the blades are it's very good. Then maybe two it's inches high good. already. Okay, good. Two two to four inches already. Right. Yeah, it's looking good. Uh, surprised me. I didn't think it would come back that good, but it is. I think the rule of thumb usually is to wait until you've had to mow it at least once, maybe twice. And when you've had to mow it twice, you know that the grass is well, you know, well rooted, well started, and at that point. 
it's strong enough to withstand post-divergent herbicides. So if you've had to mow it a couple of times, yeah, you go ahead and do a light spray. I wouldn't do a heavy spray, but you could do a light yep. spray with um, Bonide or, or uh, BioAdvanced or Ortho. Any of those three post-divergents would do fine. Lightly spray. I haven't, I haven't mowed it yet and probably was going to wait about two more weeks. Uh, but then the, the weather and the temps are going to, mm-hmm. you know, post-emergence aren't going to be working very well. Well, they'll work well enough. I think it'd be fine to go ahead and use them in, even in two or three weeks. But I don't want the grass to be harmed by the post-emergent herbicide. And so I really want I the agree. grass itself to be as strong as it possibly can be. And again, when you had to mow it, you'd know it's strong. I agree. And, and tell me again the names of the couple that you recommend. Let's see. Bonide, Bonide makes Weed Beater Ultra. Bio-advanced. Weed, weed, uh, weed Beater, beater Ultra. Ultra. Bio-advanced makes the season-long weed control. Ortho, and I've used that. Ortho makes uh, Ortho Weed Be Gone Max. Yeah, and I've used those. Okay, well, I was concerned. How about in the dead of winter in uh, January, do these post-emergence work at all, or is, is you know is it just uh, like watching um, grass grow? <laughs> <laughs> They're slow. You're right. When the temperatures are low, the chemicals just don't go very fast. But they work. They just don't do it very rapidly. It's not like two days of uh, two days after you spray, all the leaves will turn brown. It takes usually a couple of weeks after you spray before you really see any damage done to the weeds. But ultimately, they they would uh, they would get to that weed, and uh, yeah. you know, and, and it might be really slow. But that's all I care about is the long term, anyway. Yeah, right. yeah. During well, the winter. And then speaking of oh. long term too, Walter. So then, what's Joe need to think about for a pre-emergent when to start putting that down in the yeah, spring? Yeah, you, know, you can do that in March. Yeah, sure, okay. first of March next year because the grass will be perfectly fine. He's not going to overseed. It sounds like so. You do it in March of next year. Okay. Very good. And so Joe had a little bit of success with his fescue, and I think Jim down in Fayetteville did too. We got just a minute left or so. Jim, what do you want to tell Walter? Hey, how you doing? Great. Hey, hey I, I just want to say I, I planted my grass seed and, uh, after Walter told me when he got about 70 degrees and I, about three weeks ago. And I went on vacation, came back, and I got like four inches of grass out Ooh. there. It's covered completely. <laughs> it was wonderful. Great, Jim. Good but, to hear um, that. How long would you wait before I cut it? Would you wait about six weeks or three or four weeks or what um, before I started cutting it? No, if it's four inches now, you need to go ahead and start mowing now. It needs to be fescue. Okay, okay. usually about three inches high is where I mow fescue. And so if it's four okay. inches now, it's time to mow. Yes, it, it, look, it looks unbelievably beautiful. I, can't, yeah, I couldn't believe it when I came back. But that rain, that rain, that rain that comes out of the sky is a lot better than the water that comes out of the spigot. It doesn't yeah. cost anything. Yeah, that's right. Good good news, Jim. That's a God thing. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank but you. But I appreciate it. And, I, hey, I hope you feel better and get your off. Me get too. Get my voice you working fine. Thank you, Jim. Yes. Take care. Take care. Be safe. 404-872-0750. Before we bounce out real quick, I'm going to hop over and do the prize line. <gasps> Contest line. So the weekend prize pack is a pair of tickets to see Roy Orbison and Buddy Holly, the rock and roll dream tour presented by Bass Hologram, a cutting edge holographic concert experience that's coming to Atlanta Symphony Hall Friday, November 8th. Tickets are on sale at Ticketmaster.com. Now you've got to listen to the right phone number. You have to call 404-741-0750. I'll take caller three to 404 Seven four one zero seven fifty. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. Walter Reeves, Ashley Frasca. We'll be back after this. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Walter Reeves on Saturday mornings on your Amazon Echo or Dot?
and me too weekday mornings just say alexa play wsb and we're on 95.5 wsb atlanta's news and talk here's walter every time i look into your loving eyes walter reeves ashley frasca back with you and roy orbison and yes i'm young but i do know that neither he nor buddy holly are still with us I do but, know that. That's why the hologram yeah, tour, right? Interesting, that's I guess. Very interesting, yeah. So Frank won the tickets. We're giving away another prize pack, another pair of those tickets next hour. So those of you that missed out, listen in the 8 o'clock hour. Complete weather forecast coming up today and tomorrow. It's going to be sunny. It's going to be chilly. Highs won't quite reach 60 degrees, so bundle up. Lows are in the upper 30s. So the complete weekend forecast comes up here on 95.5 WSB. And Walter, I think with lows in the upper 30s, we're just above freezing. But didn't yeah. some places North Georgia hit freezing? Yeah, sure. It's going to frost. I'm sure it will. Yeah. So I, my concern, of course, was the plants that normally would just escape my mind on the back deck to bring in. <laughs> but I did bring stuff in two nights ago. Yep. So what are some of those, if we could just kind of quickly tell folks, what are some of the things that are outside that we may want to move in? I mean, I've got an aloe plant out and there. Christmas cactus I brought in myself. So the Christmas cactus, the uh, points, not points with the um, amaryllis bulbs. I oh, had outside. Yeah. Get those inside. Um, what else? I had a croton there? that was out there with some mums. Brought yeah, the croton yeah. in. I don't know if it's worth it taking in. You can if it's not big, you could, I guess. Yeah. Um, but a lot of things you took out in the spring, yes, yeah, 30 degrees, it's time to bring them back in. Okay, very good. Now, I told Debbie and Roswell that she'd be up next. We've got about a minute and a half. So what tree are you trying to plant, plant uh, transplant, Debbie? I have a few tulip poplar trees. Uh-huh. That's what I think of them as being. They have to be moved. If I Can I put them in the front yard? They're about three and a half feet tall. Are the deer going to eat them as soon as I turn my back? Is it worth it? <laughs> they may not even wait for you to turn your back. They may do it right in front of you. In this neighborhood, yeah. So only three feet tall. I would say that now, I mean, fall is a great time not only to, to transplant things, but to plant new trees and shrubs as well. So obviously, go ahead and prepare the new holes for them ahead of time. Make sure those are dug nice and wide. Depth isn't as important as the width. But yeah, just get enough of the root ball, go wider than deep. But if they're three or four feet tall, I think you can manage that. What do you think, Walter? I think she's perfect. Yeah, you're great. Thank you. Just I've remember, tried you give enough room. You don't want a tulip poplar is 100 feet tall. So think about how tall that tree is going to get eventually. You don't want it to overpower your house. Oh, it's fine. Oh, good. Okay. okay. <laughs> but I've tried it with little seedlings before, and they've just withered. Mm hmm. Oh. You know, uh, even I if I three feet tall is perfect size for transplanting. Should be. Thank you. Yeah, Fingers no problem. problem. Thank you for I the call. I hope you feel better very soon, Walter. Me too. Me too. Thank you for the call, Debbie. Good luck with that. And what I do, I sprinkle a little bit of morganite around them too. If that's something that I'm worried about the yeah. deer getting to, it's twofold. Keeps the deer away and it's a little bit of slow release fertilizer maybe to help them steady in. So coming up on 728 on 95.5, Ashley Frasca, Walter Reeves in with you. We'll be back right after this. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
It's 7.36 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape. 404-872-075 is our number. And as you can tell, my voice is a little fading this morning, so I've asked Ashley Frasson to come in, and we're double-teaming, tag-teaming the Lawn and Garden show this morning. Ashley Who's our first caller? Do we have a caller? We do indeed. To 404-872-0750. That is the number that Amy in Flowery Branch dialed up, and here she is on WSB. Good morning, Amy. How are you? Good morning. I'm just fine. So you've got something happening to your gardenia that you do not want to happen. Yes, I've got a group planting in the front yard. There's five of them. One I'm died, and I replaced it. Uh, They're real healthy. They've grown a lot, but they're yellowing. And hmm. the leaves are just, yellow leaves are raining off of them. Wow. And the same thing is happening to my Laura Petalum on the other side of the sidewalk. I don't know what variety they are because the builder's landscaper took the tags off. Yeah. They're not the real purple Laura Petalum. They have kind of a greenish leaf, but mostly the leaves are yellow. Huh. Hmm. And the plant's growing, it's blooming, but the leaves are yellow. So on the gardenias, it's throughout the whole shrub. It's not just a couple of leaves here, a couple of leaves there. It's the oh, whole no, shrub it's, turning it's, yellow. It's all around. Okay. And the laurapellum, same thing? All the whole same, shrubs going on? Same thing. Hmm. Now, mind you, they were planted uh, not in soil, but in bricks and rock <laughs> and uh, pieces of sheetrock. <laughs> how long ago were they planted? Last year. Okay. I've been here, we've been here for a year. Now that, that disturbs me. I mean, the gardenia, them yellowing, Walter, is, yeah. is not, you know, all too rare for that to happen. But Laura Pedlum's Chinese Fringe, those are so sturdy, the fact yeah. that those are yellowing too. I mean, is this a drought issue? Could be. And you're right, actually, because every spring, I guess it is, you get gardenia, magnolia, azalea. The evergreens that came through the winter are looking pretty good, but in April and May, folks begin to notice all these yellow leaves fall out of the magnolia, fall out of the gardenia. Typically, though, those yellow leaves are interior only, not the point, not the tips of the branches. Now, this, these gardenias, these five here, they're, they're yellow all throughout. So that tells me this is not a nutrition problem or something like that. It sounds like more a drought or just establishment problem or something. I'm thinking establishment is the problem, is the um, uh, diagnosis here. Actually, a minute ago you mentioned milorganite. Tell uh, what we do about milorganite, what milorganite is. So milorganite, I think a company up in Wisconsin or somewhere kind of in the Midwest, they use sewage. And it's it's really a cool kind of process to make milorganite, which is just pellets, and you don't want to touch it with your hand. But it's safe. I mean, it's totally yeah. safe. But So it's a slow-release fertilizer, and it's got a really strong odor to it as well to... Kind of, I mean, it does often repel little critters if you don't want chipmunks or deer around. But I, I like the fact that it's slow release. And I think for a gardenia, that may be a good thing. But now's not the time, right? It's so slow release. She could now or she could wait until March, April of next year. Either way, I think it'd be fine. Okay. So, Amy, I mean, don't give up on them yet. No. I think they're okay. And gardenias are really finicky anyway, so. Yes, they are. I've. I will hang in there with them. And, Walter, here's a little tip for your throat. Yes, sir. Gargle hot salt water. I got hot salt water. I got hot water right here. I gargle during the breaks. I'm doing my best. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much. 
Have a good day. You Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Thank you so much for the call. 404-872-0750. Out to Stone Mountain. Fran, good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, I have a question. We have a beautiful um, St. Augustine lawn, but some nutsedge got into it, and we've put two treatments of image out there, and still there's some spots where it is. Is it too late to do another treatment of image? How long ago did you do the first treatment with image? Um, about two months ago. Ten, ten or two? Pardon me? Did you say ten months ago or two months ago? Oh, no, about two months ago. Okay. And then we waited six weeks, and we put the second treatment on. It's too early. Uh, don't do another treatment. It's going to take a while for the image to, to work, and even in the best of conditions, we didn't have the right conditions either. It was dry, 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 and image requires it to be dissolved and then taken down to the roots of the nutsedge to kill it. And because it's so dry, I just think the image never got down to the roots, or didn't much of it anyway, get down to the roots of your nutsedge, and two applications, applications should be fine. And so I think you just wait and see, and by next spring, I would not expect a lot of the nutgrass and nutsedge to come back. Oh, okay. All right. We were just kind of discouraged <clears throat> because you can see the green. Um, you know, they don't oh, even, yeah. <laughs> some couple areas look like it's not even dying. Easy, easy to see, but I don't think you can expect it to be that quick. Okay. It's in normal conditions. I think nutsedge usually doesn't show any damage until four weeks after you've applied it, so... Oh, okay. wet conditions, even then, it takes a while for it to show up, for the damage and, uh, you know, the killing effect to show up. Do you think it's a good idea to try to just dig it up and try to get it out of there? If you like exercise, sure. I'm I'm oh. a fan of manual <laughs> removal. I mean, if it's not, <laughs> Me too. not too much, yeah, just go ahead and pop some, some places out, sure. Yeah. It's just too bad because the lawn looks so beautiful, and then yeah. all of a sudden this nutsedge is growing, you know, rampant. Yeah. Is it is it a new Augustine lawn or one you've had for oh, several no, years? Oh, no, it's been in for years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well. But it didn't even mind the drought. I mean, it just was it looking so good. And by the way, I fertilized my St. Augustine lawn with Milorganite that um, Ashley was talking about just now. Milorganite makes a fine fertilizer, and we're not on the payroll of Milorganite or anything like that. But it makes a fine fertilizer for landscapes, plants. Oh, we use lawns. it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And deer. Is it too late to put that on the lawn now? Yes. It is. Lawn's okay. dormant right now. We don't need any fertilizer on it. No. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I hope you feel better. Walter. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, bye bye. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty is the number. So, Walter, let me ask you really quickly. So many folks probably did some some hard work in their lawns back in late August, yeah. September. What are some of the things that people may have had on their to do list back then when we're getting into fall that they are just now seeing didn't work because of the drought? You couldn't have predicted back in August. Yeah how dry it was going to remain. So what are some of the things like that that Fran did that now she's just now seeing like, wow, that didn't really work because the drought held it back? If you took my calendar at face value and put a pre-emergent out in 1st of September, then pre-emergents did not get dissolved. And I don't think they did any any um, effectiveness at all on pre-emergents. So they should be reapplied if they haven't already. Most people have when the rains came. Um Aeration. I see a lot of people aerating in dry weather, and when you only get little plugs of half an inch thick that come out of the ground, that's not aeration. The aerator plugs need to be at least two inches, if not three, deep. And so aeration would be something you can't do in dry weather either. 
Yeah, see, I mean, that's just everyone's so geared up in the fall to go ahead and start doing yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And we were we were kind of delayed a month. And now we're not really going to get a fall. It's getting it so cold and so fast. We had, we had summer, we had the dry weather, then we had a, about a week of fall, and now we're into winter. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Gardeners ah. are so frustrated right now. 404 872 is the number, I think. Ola in Decatur, she may be frustrated, too. Something happened to her greens. Hey, Ola. Hi. So what's happening? What did you plant, and what, what do you see? I had curly mustards, and they was planted toward the summer. They have little bugs of purple <laughs> things on them. Yeah. And I planted collards, and they have little purple things on them, too. So what can I do with that? More than likely, the bugs are just aphids. Aphids are very common on chives, mustard, kale, collards. So aphids are real common at the end of the year because their populations have built up so much during the summertime. They just eat everything they can find in the garden and think, oh, that's great. Look at all those collards. They look really great over there. Let's eat some of those. The good news is that aphids are pretty easy to, to control using something that won't hurt you, and that is insecticidal soap. If you buy and don't make your own, don't make anything out of Dawn dish detergent and vinegar and all those things like that, buy your own insecticidal soap, spray the aphids, spray the collars, spray underneath the leaves, spray down in the down where the leaves come together at the base of the plant. But if you do that, pick your collars and eat them, or I would wash them probably first. But you can kill most of the aphids with insecticidal soap. It won't hurt you, and you can protect your collars with that. Okay, I'll try that. Thank you so much. It's it's. I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> First thing, always, Ola, know what bug you have. And I believe, if I'm correct, these are the late-season aphids. If somehow you look at it and you think, that doesn't look like an aphid to me, then call us back and tell us what you think, and then we'll do a little more research. But my bet is aphids because they're just so common this time of year. And what color are they? They're not purple. They're purple and green. Are they really? Yeah. I guess I'm thinking of the woolly aphids, those little yeah, white, white guys. The, white they're, guys they're they're everywhere, pretty cute. sure. Yeah. But so uh, always, yeah, with, with any leafy vegetable, check the undersides of the leaves yeah, first. Yeah, that's where they that's are. That's where, where you're going to see the culprits. Sure. Yep. So insecticidal soap, that's available pretty much anywhere. You yeah. just spray it on. You know, the the aphid that really bothers me, and bothers in the sense of, it's creepy. <laughs> it's creepy when you have crepe myrtle aphids, and crepe myrtle aphids happen right about now. Whenever it's just about to get cold, I'll wander around my front yard or backyard where I have, where I have my big crepe myrtles, and I come inside, and I feel something crawling ah. on the back of my neck, Ew. and I feel a little bit of my hair and things, and I pull it out. It's a little bitty purple or green crepe myrtle aphid. And there's not a a lot you can do about them. Do what? He hitched a ride. Yeah, he hitched a ride coming (laughs) in the house. There's not much you can do about it other than wait for cold weather. Cold weather will kill everything, of course. But uh, the crepe myrtle aphids in the latter part of the fall are things that just too creepy for words. Yeah. Speaking of creepy, you got to watch out for the spider webs, of course. We've seen those for the last few weeks. But I went right like head first into my mom that's planted in a pot on the back deck. Didn't look. Huge wolf spider had made this web like right over the front of the... I mean, I almost went face first to kiss (laughs) this wolf spider before I, you know, deadheaded my mom. And I thought, okay, be aware of your surroundings. That that may be good (laughs) advice for people just going out blind like me. Sure. Oh, creepy. 404-872-0750. You can call us if you're having trouble with something. Call us. Tell us what bugs you're seeing, what pests you're trying to control. 
I think the good news is the cold weather may kill off some of the ones that are kind of bugging us right now, so we can keep our fingers crossed for that. But Walter Reeves, Ashley Frasca, Lawn and Garden will be back right after this. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news and traffic teams will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get to work on time and informed. Now back to Walter Reeves and his lawn and garden expertise on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Every day Welcome back to the Lawn and Garden Show on 95.5 WSB. Almost 26 years of Walter Reeves right here on WSB. The best gardening advice in the state of Georgia. And we've already had a few callers say that. They're just thanking Walter for really good advice. They're seeing some really good results in their lawn right now. One guy called about his fescue. Pretty happy about that. So we'll take any calls today. 404-872-0750. Whether you have a question, a compliment, anything. So the weather update that's brought to you by Finley Roofing today and tomorrow, very similar. We got past that rain and that cold spell, so the cold's here to stay. It is going to be sunny but chilly. Highs won't quite reach 60 degrees both days this weekend, and lows are in the upper 30s. Your complete weather forecast from Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz comes up in less than 10 minutes. 404-872-0750. Want to go to Howard in Marietta. Hey, Howard, how are you doing? Good morning to all. Hey, good morning, Howard. Walter, I have a zoysia yard, very thick. It's a Zeon zoysia, very thick, very thick, luscious all over. Sure. Nothing, no bare spots. Now, uh, I have one area that has Bermuda growing. It appears to be on top of the zoysia. From the street, you cannot tell the difference. It looks Mm -hmm. like a, and I mow my grass about four times, I'm sorry, every four days. Okay. Days cut. Is there anything that can be put on the Bermuda grass to selectively eradicate it? Hmm. I'm sure there is, and I'm sure I don't know what it is. The way that a lot of people do it, this makes it look ugly for a while, and that is to spray Roundup on the Bermuda and let the Roundup kill the Bermuda first. Spray it again, probably take two sprays, and then let the zoysias and zeon come in and you know, fill in the hole that you have right there. There's got to be a professional herbicide you might be able to find online. And doggone, I can't, find it. I can't remember which one it is, but it seems like there is one that the professionals use. If you'll go to my website, tell you what, go to my website and just type in Bermuda and zoysia. Maybe those two words right there might help a little bit. But I believe sometime in the last five years, I found this new professional herbicide that would take Bermuda out of zoysia. I just can't remember what it was. Can I try to spell what it might be? Sure. Well, Sethoxidim. Sethoxidim? Yeah. Maybe. Mm. So I won't even spell it. Did I get it close? You're close. So that, (laughs) you've got that on your website as trying to suppress Bermuda in centipede, so I don't know if that's going to have the same right. results as yeah. Bermuda in zoysia. Sethoxidum is also known as POST, P-O-A-S-T, and so you may, if you go online again looking for it, either Sethoxidum, which is S-E-T-H-O-X-Y-D-I-M, or P-O-A-S-T, POST. So, Howard, yeah, remember POST. That's that's way easier yeah, to remember. Yeah, it's easier to remember. Sure. We'll try to, I'm trying to limit the use of the... Um, herbicides that run off. I didn't know if there was something natural that you mm. could do. Uh, Roundup, I, I like to limit the use of that. Yeah. yeah. In that case, there's hardly anything that will kill Bermuda that's an organic, non-chemical, uh, non-synthetic chemical. 
You just have to put it in that case. You dig it up and get rid of it that way. Yeah, and keep the zoysia strong. That way yeah. it can just choke out the Bermuda, the spots you don't want. Thanks for the call, Howard. And B-Rate, Marjorie, Kim, Grace, you are all coming up at the top of the hour as you join us for the third hour of the Lawn and Garden Show. We'll be back right after this on 95.5 WSB.